0: And you are listening to the Licorice All Sports podcast with your host, Robert Winston. And this podcast is about sport, sport, and more sport. From interviewing the elite athletes around the globe to having a chat with the fanatical fans in which the game means so much, we look into the inner depths of what sport means to people and the athletes alike. So if you enjoy the content, please give Licorice All Sports a follow. And enjoy, thanks for listening, and let's get into it. And on the line today, I have a close friend of mine who I met back in Valencia, back in 2014, in Antebeco baela also known as Bean. What up, homie? How you been, my friend?
1: Yeah, good, bro. Just uh, taking it easy, relaxing, um, seeing it through the lockdown and everything, um, enjoying life, enjoying a bit of sports, all of that, you know, the usual.
0: How how you feel a couple of weeks post the title victory as a supporter, as a fan, and what does it mean to you, mate?
1: Mate, it's 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 absolutely incredible, to be honest. Um just as a, like I mean you'll you'll know that I've been a Liverpool fan for quite a while now since nineteen ninety three, since I was a yep. little kid. Um and it's 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 been it's been obviously an interesting time being a Liverpool fan because we're you know we've we've gone through the worst spell in the club's history, but we still continue to win trophies. So it hasn't been that bad, actually. It's actually been pretty good in terms of the last thirty years for Liverpool. But because we haven't won the Premier League itself, there it was always that hanging, um, that hanging over the over the heads as fans and as the club and everything. So um, you know, having seen Liverpool play in four Champions League finals, um, not many fans have seen that unless you're a Barcelona or Real Madrid fan. You know, you, you you haven't seen your team play four Champions League finals. Um, we've won two of them. Um, you know, we've won a lot of other trophies. We've won a couple of FA Cups, a um, couple of League Cups, um, Europa Leagues, Super Cups. Pretty much won everything but the Premier League. So just to get that one was, was really, really, really relieving and exciting just as a fan. You know, just to kind of that relief, especially after um, a few years. I think it was 2001 when we came second. Um, and then in 2009, when we came really close, we just didn't make it over the line. 2013 as well, we came super close and didn't make it over the line. And then obviously last year, 2018-19, when we missed it out by one point, um, got 97 points and we still didn't win it. So it was, it was a bit tough as a Liverpool fan to kind of just keep remembering all these close title challenges, um, but not quite getting there. So just, you know, to get over the line is just fantastic it's, it's it's a massive relief because obviously you know this year's kind of had these had its threats um with the whole the whole iraq the holy run usa war threat that everyone is going about and like pretty much putting all sports to to a stop which is never going to happen but people obviously wanted to poke fun at that and then the pandemic came along and then you know obviously a few leagues at like the dutch league um cancelled their league there and then. Um, the French league as well cancelled their league there and then. So there was talks that, that England would do the same, which was which yeah. would have been absolutely yep. gutting, mate. Right? Like, it would have been gutting if we if we, if we we were 25 points clear and then they cancelled the league uh, because yeah. of the pandemic. So just, just to see them get back to it, um, play and win it convincingly is, is fantastic. It's great. That's one of the best feelings. It just sucks, obviously, how it was done because as a fan, you know, in a new country... You know, you're kind of sitting watching it by yourself, um, which would have been a lot more fun had I been at the supporters' club with fellow Reds, um, as I had been for the other games after I'd recently moved to Toronto. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic, mate. It's really great. The only downside being that yeah, most of it was pretty much celebrated alone. But either way, still worth it.
0: See, uh, it's the new, it's the new school, old school, so to speak. But, um. You mentioned, like, dominating the league. Um, one of the players who helped Liverpool basically get to that result was Mo Salah. And I remember speaking to you about him earlier, well, later, sorry, late late in 2019, and what a year he had. And, and he didn't seem to really lose it post, post-COVID post just to finish off the season. So, you know, who are some of the other players that, that really set up, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you 25 points clear early in that part of the year. Um, and then COVID struck, but, you know, what, what, who are the main players you think really set it up for you from, from the get-go?
1: I mean, that's that, that's really tough to say from a Liverpool perspective um, just because everyone in the squad has just been absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, you got guys like Nabi Keita, whose press is second to none, you know, he puts pressure on everyone and he, and he just distributes that ball ridiculously, he won't get all the credits and the plaudits that he deserves, mm-hmm. but Roberto Firmino, absolutely untouchable um, in terms of effort um, you know, kind of likes to drop deep, pick the ball up, distribute, cause a nuisance and kind of add an extra man in the midfield and then also adds an extra man in attack, but doesn't score a lot because he does a lot of work running backwards, so he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, I mean, personally for me, Firmino's one of the one of the main three Liverpool players um, in the squad. Um, Mo Salah will get credit because he scores the goals. Um, Sadio Mane will get a lot of credit because he is absolutely box office man. Like everything that Sadio Mane does is just like it, it should be up in lights. You know what I mean? Like his name should be fucking up in lights with with um, the the best of them. So he he's he's fantastic. Um, Virgil van Dijk is obviously always going to be a big name um i, I, I want to say the goalkeeper but liverpool have played a few games with the reserve goalkeeper and we won those games comfortably as well so even though alisson was a big factor of the squad maybe he wasn't the big um breaking breaking point you know that pushed us through um but i'll probably say jordan henderson man um which is a very it's, it's going to be very unpopular um with a lot of people but I think I think he was the driving force this season, um, purely because he's one of the players that were there in 2013 when the lads missed out um, with the Stephen Gerrard slip season, and you know he kind of got suspended for the last for the last couple of games, and those two games that he was suspended in were the games that we got derailed and lost the league essentially. So he would have been super driven, especially after last season, having lost the league again last season, and then having won the having won the Club World Cup, the Champions League, the Super Cup, he would have had a, a great hunger for success. So I definitely think Jordan Henderson for me would have been a massive driver. Absolutely um player. Great footballer. Um the effort that he puts in is second to none. And yeah, just watching watching how he's developed um over the years is, is incredible, how he's come leaps and bounds. Um, you know, from kind of being the the man that's that was always easy to 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 give stick to um to being pretty much the driving force of this of this team. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, if I had to choose one out of all the names I've just mentioned, I'd probably say Jordan Henderson. It's
0: amazing It's amazing to say, Jordy Henderson. I actually was lucky enough to meet, meet him in Miami back in 20... He got signed from Sunderland, Jordan Henderson, back in 2011. I was lucky enough to meet him at the time. And he was on cloud nine. Uh, I met him in Miami, South Beach. And he nice. was a really good lad. He, he, he just... Um, he had a yarn to me and, and another English mate will just you know, you wouldn't expect that from someone who just signed a huge, huge contract. And at the time, I, I believe it was, you know, one of the biggest English football contracts in the history of the game. So, um, you know, he's come on leaps and bounds. And as you said, he's got that hard edge about him. And uh, you know, it's just credit to him that he's taken not only Liverpool um, to the title, but you know, he took England to you know fourth spot in the 2018 World Cup. And you know, he's done a whole – he's in football is pretty huge. So, um, you mentioned Sadio Mane as well. I'm a big fan of him. And you and you mentioned that his name isn't, you know, up there with, you know, what could be the Messi's and Ronaldo's. Like, he's – you wouldn't maybe yeah. put him on that – that strategy. Yeah. But he's not far – yeah, yeah, he's not far off. I mean, he's – he sets up so many of your goals uh, for Mo Salah and um, probably doesn't get the uh, kudos quite that he deserves. What do you think? Thoughts on that?
1: Mate, like, Sadio Mane, absolute box office, man. I think um, with Sadio Mane, it's quite tough because I, I think he's, he's absolute world-class. And he is, he is world-class. But I think when he plays alongside Mo Salah, like, he, Mo Salah doesn't do a lot of the things that Sadio Mane can do. But Mo Salah is super clinical in front of goals and Sadio Mane, not so much. Um, so just the fact that Mane is still kind of matching Salah's goals... Is incredible because he, he does waste a lot of opportunities. But having said that, Messi's had an average year this year. Ronaldo's had an average year, so we're probably going to have a new Ballon d'Or winner. And I think Sadio's, Sadio Mane's name's been thrown around um, quite a lot, which would be fantastic to see. I think it's gonna it's gonna come down to Oh, I don't know. It's gonna be tough to find the Ballon d'Or, but I think Sadio Mane has to be on that list on that short list, just because Messi well, like hasn't how- done anything notable compared to his usual neither's Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's going to be an interesting year. And I think Salih money could be due some credit, you know?
0: Um, I, I, I would say that the change in the car could be this year with the with, uh, Ballon d'Or award because, you know, you got to remember Messi and Ronaldo, they're not, they're not they're not exactly spring chickens anymore. Messi's my age, is 32. And I think, you might correct me here, but Ronaldo's only 30, what is he, 35, 36? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Somewhere around there, thirty-five or thirty-six. I think he. I've no idea the exact number, but it's it's definitely no younger than thirty-five
0: and no older than. Yeah, 30. so those, yeah. So you know, Mane and Omane and Salah, they're they're really in the peak of their powers. They're twenty-eight years of age, born in ninety-two. So, I mean, Sadio Mane, I mean, it's it's funny you mentioned his name. I, I think he's definitely a chance to uh, be right up there in the votes for the Ballon d'Or award uh, later in the year, but. And it's such a strange year. You mentioned Ronaldo as well. Um, yeah. Have you been watching uh, much of Juventus? And if so, you mentioned his form hasn't been the greatest compared to his usual usual lofty heights. What, what is it about, about that? And do you think maybe that the move to Juventus has actually affected his game?
1: So I think he's been good at Juventus. Um, it's just, I mean, I haven't watched, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Juventus, but I have watched a fair bit um, of Serie A as well as La Liga. Um, especially because they came on during the lockdown before the Premier League, so I was watching a lot of um, German football as well, believe it or not. But um yeah, way, yeah. I think you've yeah. been have been good. Um, they normally are good. It's just um, I don't know. I think I think it's it's quite tough because a lot of the stuff that Cristiano Ronaldo does and that he's done better than everyone else is 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 down to his athletic. Is, 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 ah, excuse me, He's down to, it's down to to his athletic ability. So his ability to jump higher than anyone else, to run further, to do like the audacious kills or the audacious overhead kicks and scissor kicks, stuff that he can still do, no doubt. But I just kind of feel that you know, when you get older, you know, your body maybe doesn't perform as well as it does. Maybe that's why I think Messi might be around a little bit longer. Because the stuff that Messi does isn't necessarily down to jumping higher, running faster, you know like he he's very technical at his feet and he can kind of he's very good at kind of going forward with the ball at his feet close close to his body, and he's also good at set pieces and set plays and finding that killer pass and that vision so that that's kind of skill that maybe isn't overly dependent on 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 age and fitness so I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I think um, Ronaldo will still be around, mate. Like, everyone is, has been talking about the end of Ronaldo for a while, and he keeps coming back. So, I think for as long as is around, Ronaldo's going to be around.
0: So, I know it's like for a coin, heads or tails, but if, if you were to say, and you really can't answer this because they are different players, Ronaldo's almost like the, you know, he's almost like the robot perfect athlete, if that makes sense. He's almost like an assembly line of, like, Athlete that you've just like turned into like one of the most elite footballers of all time, whereas Messi, in my opinion, is more like you know, um, the natural ability. He's literally just could, he, he could, he's like one of those guys could just like do no training, rock up on game day, and like score two of the most unbelievable goals because, as you say, he's technical, um, he's just got the knack, he's just, he's got the natural ability. Where I feel it's like Ronaldo's more, he, he's off the, he's off like. The assembly line, if if you could, I know uh, it's maybe not the straightforward analogy, but if, yeah, like if, you, if he was like a Terminator, he's coming off that assembly line, whereas uh, Messi is like literally the most gifted football I've ever seen. So if you were to choose one of those players, at by the end of their careers, who do you have in front?
1: It's, it's a very tough one, to be honest, because, um, you know, it's I mean, obviously, any any professional sports person is, is there because of pure training and commitment. Um, so you can't you can't really say the one doesn't train and is not as committed. But if you had to if you had to kind of make make a comparison, I would say that like Lionel Messi's Michael Jordan, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that from the day he was X amount of ages, people X amount of I don't know, however old he was. People just knew this guy was going to be great. He was going to be fantastic. He was going to be phenomenal. And then he's just come on and he's stepped up to that level. Whereas Cristiano Ronaldo still played a few years with potential at sporting. And he also obviously played a few years at Man United where, you know, he was was good, but no one was speaking about him the same way they were speaking about Messi when Messi was 15 or 14. I mean, I still remember watching the Under-17 FIFA World Cup back in the day um, when Argentina... um, Trying to think they yeah, they did win it. Um when they had that team of um Zabaleta, Messi, um I forgot who else. Quite quite a few, quite a few Kunoguero, all of them in it. And um Where are I remember, Yeah, and no, so, so I so I remember Messi at that time, people were talking about him, you know, as a sixteen year old, as as the greatest, as, as the next, as the next goat. So it's the same as Michael Jordan. You know, when he was fifteen, people were talking about him as the next greatest ever same as Lewis Hamilton, people like people like that, you know, where where you just kind of know at the age of 15, whereas Ronaldo was good, but he worked his way up to greatness, you know, but like, when he was 15, there wasn't as mi- as much talk of him being the greatest ever. He was just a really good footballer who would get better and develop, so.
0: Definitely, yeah, uh, then I'll, like, i agree, like, I you're going to choose one, Yeah, go, me- sorry.
1: I'll go Messi, mate. I- I'm, I'm a big Messi fan, always have been. Um, he like just he plays a killer pass, dude, and like like he, he 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 can he can pick it up deep. He can kind of drop back, pick it up, push it forward, drive forward. He can um play passes that just aren't there, you know. Whereas Ronaldo yeah. does also does fantastic stuff. He scores ridiculous goals. I think Messi does all of that as well, but he also plays passes which no one should be playing on a football field. You know, he, he does stuff to other professional footballers that shouldn't be happening to professional footballers.
0: So, um yeah, Messi. All day from you, mate. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, I will take him too, just basically on everything you, that you, you just said, but you know, what do I know about football compared to to you know other experts? You know, not a great deal, but you know, this is why this is called Licorice All Sports, and and this is why we we posed the question. Um and you know, another fascinating thing about that, I knew about Messi in two thousand and seven through a good to main Steve uh uh, he's a mad football fan. He's a Macedonian. Um, and he, he put me onto Messi in about early 2007. Well, I might have been late 2006. So this, this is coming from someone who didn't know a, a great deal about football, especially at the time. Um, and I just like, just like followed him from like that early stage. And that's how good he was at eight, as you said, in the Under-17 World Cup. But in the early yeah. stages of his career, I, I was checking him out. And, you know, he's you know it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do at uh, Barcelona and, and um, Argentina. But um, look, mate, it's it's been, you know, a huge year. We, we mentioned Liverpool, you know. So tell us, <laughs> tell your audience what you got up to post-celebrations. You mentioned, you know, uh, celebrating by yourself. Did you get on the old – because we're sort of living in a new norm now. So did you get on the old Zoom and have a good old yard to any of your, your mates back in um, – you know, in England or, or any of the other supporter groups around the world? So I had, um,
1: <laughs> the the celebrations were a bit ridiculous, mate, um, because obviously it was, we all knew it was happening, you know, we all knew it was coming, but until it was confirmed, no one could really celebrate. So it was, it, it was more of like a massive release. And um, yeah, mate, so literally got myself a nice little um expensive bottle of whiskey, Um, sat down, sat down waiting for the final whistle in the Chelsea city game. And obviously Chelsea won that, which, yep. Started going, going mental and like, yeah, I had a, had a little, um, Facebook, um, video call with a mate, um, you know, just, just chatting, um, obviously just, just like chatting absolute shit, um, being drunk and just celebrating, um, yeah, (laughs) that whole weekend, that whole weekend mate was an absolute mess. Because it came from the Liverpool, it came from the game against Palace on Wednesday when we thrashed them 4-0. And then that was that. So, obviously, started celebrating then. Then City lost on Friday, on, on Thursday. And then, obviously, massive celebration then. And then Friday night was the weekend. So, carried it on into the weekend. And then Saturday night, I um, met up with a few friends of mine um had had drinks this side and just you know yeah just kind of carried it on so it, it, it was a bit it was a bit strange going from a period of like a couple of months of not really drinking a lot not really partying and just kind of being more focused and like kind of more fitness orientated and like kind of more um focused on what i was trying to do to just like letting like blowing steam and just going absolutely mental for four days so um yeah it was exciting dude it, it was really exciting but yeah it would have been it would have been a lot better obviously under different circumstances had had any of the bars been open had the supporters club been open it would have been fantastic um yeah and like the problem is like we had like we had some bad news just before that as well that the Toronto supporters club was shutting down um because of covid so they weren't able to maintain their business model so they shut down so that that was a bit shitty but yeah it is
0: what it is. BLM movement. Earlier in the year when uh, George Floyd, well, he did, he got murdered by Bob, Bob, by, by white police officers and it, and it created a, a real movement worldwide. And, you know, in America, you know, it's, a, well, I think, to be honest, I think it's a, like a real issue still like, like everywhere you go, mate. And like it's like, it's just, it's like 1% or like a couple of percent of like, Fucking basically racist dickheads. At the end of the day, that just spoil it for everyone else. So, yeah. I mean, what like what what does that mean to you as a, as a proud South African man and um, proud African man? Like, what what did that mean? That kind of movement mean to you? And and you know, obviously, racism is in twenty twenty. We haven't fucking learned anything over the years. Um, but what does it what does it mean to you as a, as a proud African man? Like that that movement and and the fact that that we had we had a bit of you know, a, a voice, uh, and, and, and everyone got behind it. So, um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, mate, and, and how did it make you feel? So, firstly,
1: like, the, so to get on that, like, like the, the George Floyd case, um, that wasn't the reason, right? So, so that, that's where I think a lot of people are getting it wrong. They think that this movement started with George Floyd, but, like, George Floyd was the catalyst. He was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, because that happened when all of us were in lockdown across the world, everyone was at home, everyone was sitting in front of their tv either watching the news or on their phones on social media so this happened when the entire world was watching but like there's been tons of the exact same things that have been happening over over the years but because we've all been preoccupied with our own day-to-day lives going to work doing this doing that we haven't really it hasn't really hit a lot of people as much but because now when this happened everyone was at home you know Everyone was 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 indoors watching and seeing this happen. So like that's why, that's what sparked it and 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 kind of and kind of made it big and kind of blew it off a bit. Um. So so just I mean I, I see a lot of people, especially of the of the right leaning proliferate, you know, who 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 think who like to make comments about George Floyd's character and himself, and it's like, yeah. Character or not, dude, no one should be killed by the police. Like, even if even if you are a criminal, even if you did steal, you know, like I mean, the guys that accuse him for for using a, a counterfeit twenty dollar note, so it's like even if he was guilty, you should not be killed by the police for that, you know. So um, the, the whole the whole the whole Black Lives Matter movement is just about people saying, hey, listen, like you know, we also matter. It's not about saying we're the only ones that matter. Um, and I think of course, that's where, yep. so that's, that's where the all lives, that's where the all lives matter kind of, um, debate comes in. And that, that's where my issue comes into this all lives matter debate is that people are, the people who say all lives matter don't really think all lives matter because it's the same people who say all lives matter who will then turn around and say, oh, those fucking Muslims or oh, those fucking, you know, Arabs are coming over to the country. You know what I mean? That's the same kind of person that will say, oh, fucking yep. Mexico, they're coming and taking so like all lives don't really matter like to those people. For a lot of those people, those are the same people who just want to find a counter stance to something. And like we live in a world of, of you know, we live in a world of where being a provocateur is, is a financially profitable um, game to be in, to be involved in. It's also a, an, an interesting game to be involved in for a lot of people. So people take contrarian stances to the masses, not to the masses, but contrarian stances to any movement, just, to be on the opposing side not because they've thought out what's actually happening or not because they've thought out what they're actually saying or what they're fighting and arguing but they're taking that stance just to be on the contrary side so even um, from a motorsport point of view man like I, I've been a Formula 1 fan for for a very very long time but like obviously during the lockdown I've, I've had the opportunity to like really get back into it um, yeah. start watching like spend a lot of time re-watching a lot of the old races and just like looking at like, the, the the details and the depths of the sport, which has been amazing. And um just seeing what's happening there at the moment is, is also very disheartening, Um, you know. And, like, you you kind of have to feel for Lewis Hamilton, like, just because, I mean, a lot of people, are, I mean, there's always going to be people who, who are going to argue just to be on the opposite side, just to be a contrarian, you know. They They're not arguing because they truly believe in the argument. They're arguing just because they want to be like oh well fuck that guy and it's like yeah what he what he kind of is going through is is intense because he spent the most part of his career as a youngster saying don't mention race don't talk about me as a black driver don't you know bring me up as the only black person in formula one don't do this because he wanted the attention on him for the right reasons so he was like, "Listen, talk about me as a driver. If I do well and if I win, then talk about me because I'm doing well and because I win." And um, so he spent all his early years saying that. And then, obviously, within the reese, like within the last two years, he's changed that completely. Where now he's like, "Listen, actually, I'm the only fucking like one on this entire roster. You know, who looks very different to everyone else. Maybe it's time to address this. Maybe it's time to talk about this." And then you've got a lot of people, obviously, who who take the contrarian stance, like like Max Verstappen, like really fucking disappointed me, man. Like like you know, he he he's. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to turn this into a Formula One debate, by the way. Apologies, um, but this is just kind of <laughs> yeah. So uh, oh, it's, yeah, good. It's, 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 it's good.
0: It's good to hear this. Being, it was, it's good to hear this. Just I'll sort of cut you off for one moment. It's good to hear this because, uh, in my view, like people are people, and look. I shouldn't even like here, even here in, you know, in, in Australia, like we should like, we, we refer to um, like black people here. Like this, this is kind of like, so we refer to black people as indigenous people, which they are, but they're people like the, they're, they're, okay. They're the native people of, of the land here or the very first people here they're, uh, scientific, science, scientifically they've been proven to be here for at least yeah. 60,000 years. So they are the custodians of the land. But we should refer, refer to Indigenous Australians as, or Aboriginals, or they, they should just be Australians. They should be just just flat out, uh, straight down the line, they're people, man. They're human beings. Um, and yes, you can refer to them as Indigenous, but but at the end of the day, they're people. And just the whole, like, with the whole the way the Western world works, it's just like we're, we've got to identify them as something other than just a human being, and that's something I've got a problem with. And it's just, um, oh, 100%. I think it's just something that's got to change, but it probably, won't, it probably won't change anytime soon.
1: I mean, it's it's as I said, like I don't really want to kind of make this um, a different kind of debate, but I, I fully agree with that. You know, where where you go to the United States, for example. And if you're white, an American, you're just called an American. But if you're black and American, you're an African-American. Yeah, Even though you've been in the States, your family's been, you know, your family predates, because like, obviously black people in the, in the States were taken over to America in the in the slave era when the States were founded as a country, right? And there's a lot of Americans who've been
0: there for about 490 years, yeah. uh, African-Americans. So, so a lot of them
1: have been there for over 400 years, yeah. but they're still not full, they're not like... Re- guarded as full Americans, they're something else Americans. Whereas, you know, if you were an Irish immigrant and your and your grandparents immigrated over to the States and, and the in the 1900s, you know, and you were born and your parents were born and then you just refer to as an American. So so I think I think that's that's kind of the difference. Um, with a lot of people same with same with, um, you know, with your you'll get it in, in, in Australia, right, as you're saying, it's, it'll be indigenous Australians, and then everyone else will just be Australians even if their parents immigrated 100 years, 50 years ago, they're full on Australians where someone who's been there is always going to be indigenous. So I think,
0: yeah, that's the tough thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. So it's interesting just to, just have a chat about that just because, you know, I think, I think you just got to get the message out there, especially to the young generation coming through the ones who are, you know, 10 years old or 15 years old, you know, the whole, the whole, um, you know people movement it's you got to take and every, everyone's got to be educated i mean and it just takes just takes one fucking dickhead like one one like and some of them wouldn't even be educated they just would have heard it at home or you know but it just takes one fucking just imbecile to just spark a whole lot of stuff that like you know people just should know better like people should just i don't know it's just I don't know. What I mean. Well, it's, I
1: mean, I mean, the reality—the reality, it's just a, a cruel, the reality cruel, specifically from the yeah, sports front, right—is that people do take a a grouping stance, right? So people will will like to take contrarian stance to a group, and they'll they'll group with other groups. So, like what was going on with the Max Verstappen thing early on, and just reading a lot of his um, like his response yep. to the whole thing was was horrible, and then like just doing a bit of reading into why he would have done that, and like seeing his family's. History and their support of Geert Wilders in the in the Netherlands and and his party and, and what they stand for and like retweeting all the Islam like Islam Islam out stuff and retweeting all the ban the burka crap and it's like this guy's 23 years old you know and like like why why are you thinking like this you know um that that's the reality yeah. from 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 a sports perspective is that people will will, will watch sports stars and will kind of we'll put them on a pedestal and we'll think that they're, they're superhumans because they can do kind of superhuman shit on the sports field. But in reality, they're, they're people that are shaped by their surroundings and by their environment and by the people that are around them. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of decades. There's going to be be a lot of decades, a lot of people who believe in a lot of stupid things, a lot of people who, who, um, yeah, even though they're 23, they think badly because, you know, their parents tell them, you know, this is how you need to kind of think and behave and react. So, yeah, it's a tough one at the end of the day, but yeah, like, what can you do? You just got to keep backing yourself and doing what you do. Um, so that's why I say, like, super, super proud of what Lewis Hamilton's doing as a sportsman now, um, as a driver. You know, he's, he's he's obviously pretty much he spent his whole career saying, don't compare me to Tiger Woods, like, don't bring up the fact that I'm the only black Formula One driver, blah, blah, blah. Now he's kind of gotten to the point, is like, actually, you know, this is something to, like, stand up and be proud of. So yeah, super happy for him that he's doing that. Um, super happy that people are also kind of just saying, "Hey, you know, like enough's enough. Let's 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 kind of push this equality narrative now. Let, let's get rid of all the bullshit from before, and let's push the narrative of of equality and let's give people opportunities to be better, um, to be able to compete on a level playing field and and achieve." So, yeah, man, super. Like I know, I feel kind of um, positive about 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 the whole progression in sports in general. Um, just how obviously they've, they've dealt yep. with, this, with all this this crap that's been going on. So who knows, dude? Let's see how it goes.
0: Yeah, let's let's hope for a, a more positive future, mate. And you know, like as as we say, we just it just takes one decade, But let's move forward and let's uh, hope for a, yeah, a better a better a better uh, sporting um, experience for everyone. But